Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. All right, Exodus 20, are you there? Yeah, the whole seven of you brought your Bibles. That's awesome. All right, we are in a series on the Ten Commandments. Everyone say Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, all right. We are on commandment number four this evening. Over the last couple weeks, last week, if, if you showed up to the tent and you were like, wow, there's a bunch of light bulbs in the lobby, but where is everybody? We were over at First Wednesday um, about three, four times a year. We're going to hop in over there and join um, the main church on the first Wednesday of the month for a night of worship. Uh, but for the rest of the Wednesdays, we will be here. So just for context and that, in April, we will be here on first Wednesday. But in May, we will be over there. Um, we didn't meet last week, but then two weeks ago, Pastor Jared Newman came and delivered an awesome word on thou shalt not take the Lord your God's name in vain. Uh, and the week before that, we covered the first two commandments. Um, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make for yourself any idols. Tonight we are going to hit commandment number four, which is one of my favorites, the Sabbath. I'm going to talk to you about rest tonight. Is that okay? Yeah, you're high school students. You're like, oh, rest is awesome. Spring break's coming. Yeah. I'm really excited about this. Um, Exodus 20. That's the Psalms, Tim. That's not Exodus. All right. Exodus 20. We're going to start in verse 8 this evening. This is the word of the Lord. It says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to which all God's people said. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you. God, we welcome your presence here tonight. We need your presence here tonight. Lord, I pray that this evening you would open our eyes to your word. That it would not be the words of the preacher but it would be the word of the living God that comes and makes us new tonight, transforms our lives. Lord, we want to see you. We want to taste you. We want to be close to you. So I pray that over the next couple moments, you would take our attention, our eyes, our focus. I pray you'd show us this evening what it looks like to rest, to Sabbath, to see you as enough, to see you as sufficient. Oh, you're a good God. 
You're a good God. So Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see this evening, ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe. We ask this in your name. And if you're with me, say amen. This is an interesting commandment. Interesting commandment. It's kind of like an exciting one and yet one that we're not very good at. You notice how um, this isn't simply an invitation to rest, but it's a commandment to rest. Like the God of the universe looked at his people and said, you will rest. Not I invite you to rest, not it's a good idea to rest, but you will rest. You will rest. You know, admittedly, when I begin to talk about this, there's like two sides of me here. One that absolutely loves this. I'm very passionate about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is one of my favorite days of the week. Um, because everything goes off. The laptop shuts, the phone goes down, uh, I wake up, get to spend time with the Lord with no rush, no haste into the day. And I get to hang out with the most beautiful woman on earth all day. And it is a day filled with rest, peace, and joy. But if I'm going to be honest with you, this is one that is really, really hard to keep track of. And to wrestle out. You know, and before, before I go any further, I want to remind you tonight that as, we, as we're entering into the Ten Commandments, as we walk through the Ten Commandments, okay, this is, not, this is not a sermon series and this is not a time to like go after behavior modification in your life. You with me? This isn't, this isn't a time where it's like, hey, you need to start checking all the boxes and start getting everything right to call yourself a follower of Jesus. I'm going to remind you of the story of Israel that God had already delivered his people out of oppression, out of slavery, out of bondage. They were in the wilderness. He had already made them free. And so he gives them the Ten Commandments to say, hey, this is what it looks like to be my people. I'm going to show you the way for what it means to live in the image of your creator. And so he, 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 we, we, we enter into the Ten Commandments with this in mind. That this isn't about, okay, how do I get all of these things done to be saved? This is about what does it look like now that my God has saved me. Are you with me? What does it look like to the world to say that the Lord of my life is God? And one of those things the Lord is saying is you're going to Sabbath. You're going to take a day and you're going to rest. And this is a hard Hard reality to grasp like in our day to day. Right now like everything is about consumption, progression, productivity, moving forward, getting things done. My last five years of marriage have been like nothing but, hey, let's get work done. Get work done, get work done. Since I started working here at New Life nearly five years ago, nothing about my life in the last five years feels like it has decreased. <laughs> Everything's increased. You, you, you were to, like, it, it feels so ironic that I'm preaching this message to you right now. Like three and a half weeks ago, uh, we did high school retreat. That, that week is like an 85-hour work week for me and my staff. 
And it is one of the funnest weeks of the year. We absolutely love it. And we, we, we came right from that week to I came into being the pastor on call here at New Life Church. So it means they give me a phone and I'm kind of like the, for lack of better words, like the 911 pastor. They call overnight in case an emergency happens. Right after high school retreat. And then following high school retreat, this last weekend we had Desperation Leadership Summit. So we had youth pastors from all over the country coming here this last weekend to receive rest while we took care of them. And then this next weekend, we just have junior high retreat. Like it never stops. And it's like, Lord, why am I preaching on rest right now? All I want to do is rest right now. And God is so good. God is so good because I think as we, as we enter into the text tonight, we're going to see yes that God makes a way for us to see this is what it looks like to be his people, to live in rest. But we're going to see how Jesus is the fulfillment of this in the New Testament. It's no small thing. No small thing. But there's two things that I kind of want to tackle that the Sabbath informs us of. And I want to get these right, right out the gate, okay. Sabbath informs us of two things. Number one is that God is enough. And number two is that we are not. Let me say that again. Sabbath informs us that God is enough. And number two, that we are not. And what we get here is two instances where Sabbath comes onto the scene in the Old Testament. The first is in Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1 and 2, we get this beautiful creation account from, from the Old Testament writer where we're saying, okay, like in six days, God like went to work and did some pretty awesome things. At the beginning of time, we have everything that was, was dark and, and void. And yet all of a sudden our God speaks and just light begins to move. And as a product of six days, you have light and darkness created. You have the sun and the moon and the stars and all the planets and the earth and the land and the sea. And you kind of get all of these beautiful things beginning to like take place over time. And then you have the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and the fish of the sea and all of these different things like taking place. And then all of a sudden on day six, God like makes his masterpiece, something in his own image, man and woman. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And what I think is important for us to realize in Genesis 1 and 2 is there was nothing anxious, hurried, or overwhelming about what God did in Genesis 1 and 2. Like think about that. At the very center of the universe, our creator at no point was anxious or having an overwhelming amount of toil going on that he said, okay, you know, no, 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 I just need to simply rest. No. He created he worked hard and on the seventh day in his nature, he says, we're going to rest. We're going to rest. And it's this beautiful moment where we get to see a content God say, this is what it means to be me. And here's what I, what I want to say right out the gate. In order for us to talk about rest, we need to inherently see that the first part of this commandment was that Mankind would work hard for six days. Like, we need to spend a day talking on just working hard. <laughs> Do you realize God made you to work hard? He didn't make you to be lazy. And I think sometimes, like, we get the creation account twisted where we go, you know, like, work 
is like a product of the fall. Work is a product of sin entering in this world. And it's like, no, 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 that's not true at all. He made man and woman in his image and he said, okay, look, now fill the earth and subdue it. This is your to be a caretaker of. Work is a product of our creator. Weariness in our work is a product of the fall. Are you with me tonight? And here's the thing, in order for us to like talk about rest, it's worth noting that if we're going to rest hard, it means that we are people who work hard. Why? Because our God works hard. That's what he did. He created and out of the abundance of his creation, all of these beautiful things came forth and then God chose to rest. So this is the first moment that we see in scripture, the Sabbath come onto the scene and the second is obviously in Exodus. Where we have the people of God who have been delivered out of Egypt. They are in the wilderness. They are given the law. And God says, look, you are going to Sabbath. You are going to take a day and rest. Now, context. You have Israel who has been in Egypt for 400 years. 400 years they have been driven by Pharaoh. And the Egyptian reality of productivity, consumption, success and growth. Two things you need to realize as a slave. Number one, you don't get paid. That's a bummer, okay. Some of you are like, that's what it's like to live in my household. I don't get paid, okay. You don't get paid. Number two, you don't get a day off. You don't get a day off. So for 400 years you have a nation who's lived under the covering, under the reality of Pharaoh and the Egyptian culture that eat Ate, ate, slept, breathed, I don't know how to say it. Productivity, growth. There are no days off. It's go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden you have them entering into the wilderness and all they know is go, 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 go. And you have a God who's saying, look, I am your new covering. And in my house, you take a day off. For my people... We simply take a step back and breathe. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann, I don't know if I said that right, something along those lines. He said this. He said, restfulness and not restlessness is at the center of life. You are not replicas of an anxiety-driven Pharaoh. You are in the image of the creator God. The faithful practice of Sabbath is an act of of resistance. Do you hear that? The faithful practice of Sabbath is an act of resistance. In other words, what Brueggemann here is saying is that your very nature desires to be productive. Everything in you is going to want to keep going. And you might be sitting here telling me, no, that ain't true for my life, Pastor. If I could sleep until 11 every day, I would. <laughs> But if we were to take a step back and look at the world around us, wouldn't you say that's true? We like to go, 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 go. Internet doesn't take a day off. Government doesn't take a day off. Agendas don't take a day off. We used to have the, what they were called, the, the, they were like the blue letter laws here in the United States where it mandated that companies and small businesses could not be open on Sunday because they were forced to take a day of rest and they receded these laws because they said, you know what, that's impeding business too much. 
We need to be able to go seven days a week, 30, 31 days a month, 365 days a year. We like to go, go, go. And what he's saying here is that the daily practice of Sabbath, for you to take on the habit of taking a day off is an act of resistance against your nature. It's an act of resistance against sin itself. He continues to say this. It declares in bodily ways that we will not participate in the anxiety system that pervades our social environment. We will not be defined by busyness and by acquisitiveness, what a cool word that is, and by pursuit of more in either economics or personal relationships or anywhere in our lives. Why? Because our life does not consist in commodity. In other words, for you to practice the Sabbath, for you to teach yourself to take a day off, is for you to acknowledge that God is enough. He's enough. In other words, the people of God realize the presence of my God is never going to be in short supply to me. It's never going to be in short supply to me. I'm never going to have to barter the presence of my God for something else. He's always going to be enough. I don't need to add anything to him. I don't need to take anything away from him. My God is enough. And for him to be enough, we have to realize inherently that we are not. Have you ever driven a car where the alignment was off? Some of you are like, yeah, I drive like this all the time because that's my car. Like, no, like if you drive with a car that alignment's off, my wife, she had this little Hyundai, uh, Hyundai Elantra. Is that right, sweetheart, wherever your beautiful face is? Hyundai Accent, yeah, smaller, more, eh, okay. And... And her, her sweet brother like bought her this car for her 16th birthday and it was this like little beater. And he like got in this car. And he like, had the steering wheels like, <laughs> like to drive forward. And if you know if you've ever driven in a car where you let that, that alignment's off and you take your hands off the steering wheel, what happens? <laughs> Some of you are like, I know when I drive with my knee, like that's what happens all the time. Like that's what happens. You, you let go of the steering wheel and you, begins to, you begin to drift. The natural tendency of the human soul, the sinful human soul, is never towards dependence on the presence of God. It's always towards self-reliance. You with me? You let go of the steering wheel. You, you, you let go and it's like, okay, let's just kind of see where life takes me. Life is not going to simply take you to the presence of God. It's going to drift. You're going to start coasting to the left. And what coasting to the left begins to look like is you are enough to be in control of your life. You are enough to hold the reins. You are enough to keep a hand on the steering wheel. And yes, God can be an area or a facet of your life but he does not need to captivate the whole of your life. And we have to realize this, that this is even the reason why we're given the Ten Commandments is God's going, look, I know your natural tendency is to go like this. You notice how God uses the analogy or illustration of shepherd and a sheep a lot in the Bible. You know why? Because sheep are like the dumbest animal on the planet. 
I kid you not, like the dumbest animal on the planet. Like you, you have a flock of sheep and you have one dumb sheep in the herd that'll be willing to run off a cliff. The rest of the herd's like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and they just start going and they'll follow after it. Like this is why, this is why a shepherd has a rod and a staff. Yeah, I always thought those two things were the same thing. No, they're two separate things. There's a rod and a staff. They, they literally have like, it's like a club. I'm not joking. Like a club that shepherds carry around. And the second a sheep starts to be toxic in the midst of the group, starts to like wander off, do its own thing, shepherds would come and break the legs of the sheep so that they cannot wander from the flock, so that they won't be a toxic influence on the herd. It's like you have one sheep who's like, that's awesome, a butterfly, you know, like, and it's just, and all of them follow suit. God loves us to, enough to go, you kind of like that. <laughs> you kind of like that. He goes, no, but I'm the good shepherd. You notice how Psalm 23 doesn't say, I invite you to lie down in green pastures. It says, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes us. Sometimes we have like these, these pictures of God that are not helpful, that are like Instagram filtered and he's so kind. And, just like, and it's like somebody put an Instagram picture of like Jesus breaking the leg of a sheep and be like, yeah, that's biblically accurate. Why? Why? Because he loves us. He doesn't invite us to rest. He commands us to rest. Why? Because he knows we have a tendency to be like this. He knows we have a tendency to be disobedient. He knows it's, it's, he knows it's in our nature to be disobedient. So he goes, look, I know you think that you keeping a hand on the wheel at all times and running your life at all times is for you, but it's not. And I'm proof of that. I'm proof of that. Six day I worked and I tilled and I, I made creation. And on day seven, I rested. I took a day off. I need you to realize that who you are, as humbling as this is, is not enough. But hear me, God is enough. He's enough. And if we were to look back at Israel's story, we know this to be true, right? Like nothing about their deliverance had anything to do with what they did. Am I right? They're crying out in Egypt. I mean, they're an entire nation. But it's not them who rebel or rise up or force their will upon Pharaoh to set them free. No. God acts on their behalf. He comes in and says, no, no, no. This is the way it's going to be. As they're leaving Egypt, it's not themselves who direct themselves to the Red Sea, through the Red Sea. No, no, no. It's God leading them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Why? Because they're directional idiots. Right? It is not them who provide for themselves food and water in the wilderness. It's not them all of a sudden cultivating and making from the ground manna. No, it's God providing manna from heaven. It's God bringing water from the rock. It's not them. There's nothing about Israel's story that makes them awesome. 
In fact, they look like a bunch of dumb sheep walking off a cliff like every other chapter of the Old Testament. And yet, we see the faithfulness of God. So as we begin to talk about Sabbath, we begin to talk about rest. And I know we can start talking about this and it can kind of be like, why are you having this conversation with us as high school students? You're like, like, we just kind of follow like our parents' path. We kind of do what our parents do. Hear me, like you're men and women. The habits you develop now are going to affect who you are a couple years, a couple decades, half a, de- or half a century from now. If you do not learn how to rest, we're going to talk about what that means in just a moment. If you do not learn what it means to simply let go and let God take the reins, you're going to run yourself to death. And I mean that mentally, physically, spiritually. You've got to learn it now. I don't care if you're 16 in this room. You've got to learn to rest. You've got to learn to enter into who God has created you to be. Are you with me tonight? Two things. Two things and we're going to respond in worship. Two things that I think that the Sabbath informs us to do. One is really obvious. The second one is not so obvious. The first one is what we've talked about. Rest. Everyone say rest. Rest, oh, rest. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am your God. About seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, um, my cousin from Oklahoma, uh, he lived in Oklahoma, but he was from Romania. He had this awesome accent. It was awesome. Um, he was coming up to hang out with us for a week or so. And he called me in advance and he said, hey, Tim, I want to hike Pike's Peak when I get up there. I was like, you're dumb. <laughs> like of all the 14ers you could pick here in Colorado, you want to do the longest trail that we possibly have. And he goes, yeah, I want to hike Pike's Peak. Like it looks really cool every time I come to Colorado. Like I want to do it. And he's, he's a pretty athletic guy. He's pretty competitive. And I was like, all right, we'll do Pike's Peak when you get up here. And so um, he comes up here, and if you know me by now, if you've seen me in the four square square, if you've seen me, in, you know I'm a very competitive person, almost to a fault. Like my wife and I play chess like three, four times a night because it's just so fun. I love playing games, and I specifically love to win in games. I, it's not fun to lose. It makes you better, but it stinks. Um, so he gets up here and right when he gets up there from the start of him pulling in, like the trash talk begins of like, dude, like we're going to be no joke. Like I don't care that you're not from here. Like you're at mile high elevation, but we're going to halt hill. We're going to make it up this thing as soon as possible. And he's, you know, he's smack talking back to me and he's bigger than me, which isn't very hard to be. He's taller than me, like all those sorts of things. You get, like <laughs> you're assisting. It's like, no, 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 like, I, like I'm telling you. So we, we start kind of putting our plan together that, you know, we're going to get at the trailhead or we're going to leave at 4.30, get to the trailhead by 5, start by 5. And our goal was to be at the summit by like 10, 10.30. Yeah. All my runners up here are like, that's pathetic. <laughs> the rest of you are like, that's awesome. No, so I was like, so we, we look at both of our mothers who have ascended the peak before and we say, hey, 
we're going to start this at 5. We want you up there by 10.30. We'll be waiting for you up there. And they laughed at us. They said, no, there's no way you're going to make it up to peak that quickly. And we're like, no, we're going to make it up to peak that quickly. Like, you just trust us. And they're like, no, you trust us. You guys aren't going to. And it was like, like, this kind of moment as like young adult men where we looked at our moms and we're like, no, you listen to us. We're going to be. And, it, and they give the loving mother knows best look, you know, like, okay, we'll see. You know, you text us when you're, you know, two miles from the top, et cetera. So we're like, all right. So we get, our, we get our gear ready. We're packing light. It was like I brought like a cliff bar and like a bottle of water and a banana. I was like, well, I'm going to get this thing Jackson's like, you're an idiot, Pastor. And so I was like, so we, we start this thing. And right out the gate, we start going. So we get to bar, the bar trail, the, the head of the deal at, at 5 o'clock. We launch off on this trail. And it's like switchback after switchback going up, going up. And here's the thing, like my cousin like I can't answer you honestly if he's a follower of Christ or not. When you put him in situations like this, it's like every form of cuss word in the book is just coming out. Like, like, like I would, yeah, I can't tell the story in full, but just funny, funny. And so we're, we're, we're walking and, and in my mind, it's like, okay, I'm not going to let him pass me. No matter, you know, so it's like just hard pace. We're going to like make it up this thing. And he's, he's like, bleep, this is bleep, 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 bleep. Like, and he's sucking wind because he's from Oklahoma and people from Oklahoma are weak, okay. So if you're from Oklahoma, I'm sorry, my mother's from Oklahoma, okay, chill out. All right, so, so we, we make it about four miles without a rest, without a rest. It's like, no, like we're, we're, and we're making fantastic time. Fantastic time. And he's about to pass out. He's like, Tim, I need to bleep rest. And I'm like, okay, just chill out. So we, we stop. We stop by like a rock. He breathes for like five minutes. And it's like, all right, we need to go. Like we got, we got a deadline to meet. So we, we do it towards even like we get to bar trail or we get to bar camp and we just walk right past bar camp. You know, it's like we're not, we're not stopping for anything. Now here's the deal. Whenever I am doing anything along these lines of like a hike, the incline, anything like that. I refuse ever, there, there are a couple different people in life. There are people who love to like look ahead and they love to look at the destination and just like dream about getting to the destination. And then there are the more like intelligent people in life who just like to look at where they're at so that what's ahead doesn't look so discouraging. You know what I mean? All my people who have been falsely deceived by the false summit on the incline know what I'm talking about, okay? I'm one of those people where it's like when I do the incline, I do not look up at the top until I'm about 15 steps from the top. So then I can run them. Other than that, I'm just going to keep my head down and I'm going to walk. And this is what I was doing. We're walking Bartrell, my head's down, and I'm just hustling. I'm hustling while my cousin is cussing. It's awesome. <laughs> so we pass, we pass Bar Camp. It's about seven miles in, about... About two, three miles in, we have, you have about six miles left on Pikes Peak. When you get to about mile nine, you know you're about to approach to get above tree line and you start walking above tree line. This is where like altitude starts to hit you, you start getting really tired, you know, people start quitting. Well, this moment in the trail where you're going switchbacks, this is about half a mile from tree line, where the trail is going and there's a sign that directs you to switch back and make a U that's going to push you up to keep going. But if you're not looking up, there's a trail that kind of slowly keeps going forward. 
and then drifts off into nothing and puts you on the side of the mountain in the middle of nowhere. I am leading the way. I got my head down. Rest is not an option. Bleep, 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 bleep as we're walking. And he's looking down, just following my heels. This, this trail takes you about half a mile into the side of the mountain and then just disappears. <laughs> so I, I hit this, we hit this moment of, I, I, I realize I'm like, wait a minute, where is, where is where I'm walking? I look up and I realize there's no trail. And we are above tree line. I'm like, wait a minute, like, we're supposed to go a little bit higher. And so in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, I'm just missing something here. There's got to be. So I was like, let's just keep walking. <laughs> so we keep walking. <laughs> we keep walking. And so we're, we're walking and we are searching everywhere for the trail. We can't, we can't find it anywhere. We got a bunch of like fallen trees beneath us. Oxygen is light. The cussing goes to like times three with my cousin. Like, I mean, like, man, I just wish so badly. It just feels more right, you know, to go like, this is what he was saying, but I can't do that. This is church, okay? <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I'm just confused. I'm like, I don't, I don't know where we are. And he goes, bleep, 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 bleep. Like, and he's dying because he can't breathe. He's like, there's no oxygen. And to make it worse, we look over and there are like some storm clouds rolling in. Storm clouds rolling in. And so I'm like, I, like bro, I cannot remember. I don't know where the trail is. Like I, I've done this like seven times before. I do not remember this place on the mountain. Like I'm forgetting everything. So we are running all over the place for about an hour and a half trying to find the trailhead. And all the while our pride just burning because we hear both of our mothers going, no, you're not going to make it at 10.30. No, you're not going to make it at 10.30. And so I'm like, all right, Nathan, we have to bite the bullet. We just have to walk back. We have to find, like, we, we have to go, like, the direction we knew last where we saw the trail. And he's like, bleep, 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 bleep. So <laughs> we, start, we start walking back towards the trail. And after about 45 minutes, we find the trail. We start walking that path. And then we get to that moment where you see the trail and it turn up and there's this big, big metal sign <laughs> just like right here that says, Pike's Peak, this way. In <laughs> this moment, it was so funny because all of his cussing was about the situation and then it just shifted to cussing at me the whole time. I mean, he's just letting me have it. And so we're at the point now, we're at the point now where the storm clouds are rolling in, we're like, it's not going to be safe to ascend. We have to go back down. Like, we're not going to make it to the peak. <laughs> so the whole, the whole nine miles down, he's just laying into me. And I, at this point, I'm mad at myself. And then I'm going like, and then, and then I'm just dreading the moment of like getting in the car and walking in the front door to see our mothers. And both of them just kind of smile. go, <laughs> You idiots. <laughs> like, and here's the deal. So often we take life like this. Where we are so driven by our agenda. We are so driven by our destination. We are so driven by our own ability to achieve. All my three said holla. Okay. 
That, my Enneagram people got that. Nobody else did. I see you, Olivia and Sophia. I got you. Okay. That if we don't stop to look up, if we don't stop, period, we miss it. We miss it. And what God is saying here is he's going, look, in order for you to see really where you're going, you're going to have to stop. You're going to have to teach yourself to take a moment and realize that God did not create you to have your hands on the reins. God did not create you to be the one in control of your own life. You know why Sabbath is so significant? Why taking a day to rest is so significant? It's because we as the people of God are stating that what God can do in and through us in six days is so much more than what we could do in seven on our own. You with me? What God can do with us in six days is so much more than what we could do on our own. And so to take a day and say, you know what? I'm going to cease to strive. And I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow down. And what today is going to be about is not what I'm going to get done. But what today is going to be about is who God has made me to be. And rest. Let me take a moment. And what the, why this is so significant is because you've got the people of Israel who are surrounded by the Canaanites, the Amalekites, the Amorites. And they're all looking at this, this nation. And all of their people are driven by success. It's all about advancement. It's all about growth. And yet they're looking at this people group and they're going, wait a minute. They're taking a day. And they're letting it be. And God's saying, yeah, you're here to show them the way. For this is what it means to be the people of God. Are you with me? What we use Sabbath for is rest. Take a breath. Now, I, want to, I just want to take a moment for practicality here. You go, okay, what does that look like, Pastor? What does it mean to rest? I think some people can, can, can take Sabbath and go, okay, like, is this a day where I just get to kind of do all the things that I want to do? <laughs> Is this a day that, you know, like we go shopping, I play video games all day? Is it a day that I do a makeover on myself? I don't know what you guys, ladies, I'm sorry. You know, like, is, is that what you do? And it's like, no, this, this is a day where if, if you're going to be honest, if I'm going to be honest with you, on a practical level, this is not biblical by any means, but I'll shoot you straight. This is a day of the week that I think you should turn off your phone. Ooh, I'm going to touch some touchy things. I hear you back there, Pastor. Turn off your phone. Turn off your phone and unplug. Slow down. And you go, okay, what is, what is slowing down? When is the last time you sat down in your room and you just simply said, Holy Spirit, come. Come speak to me. Come speak to me. You have my attention today. You have my focus today. And though there are so many things raging for my time, my focus, my attention, I'm choosing to take them out. And I'm choosing to breathe and to put my eyes on you. That's what it means to rest. Rest doesn't simply mean you stop doing school, but you do a hundred other things. Let everything cease. Take a deep breath and lean into the presence of God, which leads me to my second thing. 
what Sabbath is for, and that's worship. Worship. Uh, there's a story that um, Pastor Pete Craig, he's a guy from England, shared a couple years ago. And it was such a beautiful story that I was trying to think, how, how can I best describe this? And this story fits so perfect. And he said he was, he, he, he's, he has like three full-time jobs. He's a pastor in England of a, of a fast, uh, fast-growing church. Number two is he is a full-time author and writer. He writes books like nobody's business. And number three, he oversees a massive worldwide prayer movement called 24-7. And he said that he was in the middle of writing a book and he was just hustling to get this book done. So he was going, 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 and he finally finished it. Finally finished it. And he's got two young boys at the time, his wife, and he was so excited to get it finished. And so he finished all the ads and he sent it off to the publisher. And he said he knew exactly what he wanted to do when he finished it. Weeks of just trying to get this thing done. And he said there was this, this like pub restaurant thing um, down the road from his house. And at it there, there was kind of like a pre- playground with some swings and some slides. And there was this massive leather chair that he could go and he could just sit in and look out and watch his kids play while he ate some food and stuff. And so he took his two boys to this restaurant. He walks into the restaurant and he looks at his two boys and he says, okay, look, like the world is your oyster. You can go play. Like all of this is your, like don't, you don't have to look back to me. You don't have to ask me anything. Like you can simply go play. And so he like commissions his boys and he goes and he sits down in this massive leather chair. And he says his firstborn son just charges out the door like and just starts going bananas on the playground. And the younger boy, like a, like a toddler at the time, kind of like walks to the door, looks at the playground, looks back at his dad, looks at the playground, back at his dad, and again at the playground, and then turns to walk towards his dad. And so, he's, so he, he sits there and his son walks up to him and he sits there and he goes, okay, like what, he's got to go to the bathroom, he's thirsty, something along those lines. And he said, his son said these words that were unlike anything he's ever heard before. And he said his son looked him in the eyes and said, Dad, I've missed you. I just want to be with you. And so he picked up his boy and his son just sat in his lap and they watched the oldest play on the playground. And I want to suggest to you that this is what we are to do on Sabbath. Sabbath is not simply a day for self-care. It's not what we're saying here. It's not what God is saying here, that you just, you need to take a day and just kind of do you. Relax. Go get a manicure, a pedicure, a massage, play video games, watch the game. No, this isn't a day for self-care. This is a day where God's children get to simply delight in just being God's children. We talked about this at retreat in Philippians 3. Where Paul says, look, like I press on, I strain forward, I forget what is behind. Why? Because God has laid hold of him. God is holding fast to him. And one of the realities of the people of God that Sabbath does is when we enter into rest, we remember. We remember that we're a people whose God 
was faithful to us despite the fact that we are not faithful to him. Are you with me this evening? He invites us into rest. He invites us into worship. Are you with me? Can I get the band to come back up here, please? Rest and worship. Rest and worship. Now here's the thing tonight. I could sit here and talk to you about the value of taking a day off, and in some ways I have. And you know, the funny thing is, like, all of the Abrahamic religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, all believe in the Sabbath. Now, they all can't agree on what day it should be on. Some think it's Friday, some think it's Saturday, some think it's Sunday. But they all believe in the value of taking a day off. But I'm wanting to suggest to you tonight that entering into the rest of God is more than you just looking at your calendar and going, okay, what day should I take a step back and breathe this week? As I said to you before, the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments is God showing the way. He's showing what it looks like to be the people of God. He is saying this is what it looks like to live in the image of your creator. This is what it looks like. I'm going to show you the way. But brothers and sisters, we are not Israel. We are the church. And the beautiful thing about the New Testament is that Jesus does not simply show us the way. He makes a way. He makes a way. And what I'm wanting to suggest to you tonight is that Sabbath is not simply a day of rest. Sabbath is entering into the rest of Jesus Christ. Can you bow your head for me? I don't care that you're high school students. I don't care that you're high school students in here tonight. I know, I know that our world is driving all of you right now to be productive successful, talented, hardworking people. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with working hard. Nothing wrong with it. But by default, because we're sinners, because we're broken, because we're struggling, I know that many of you in here are weary tonight. You're weary tonight. We're in March. You got two more months of school. You got grades to keep up. The athletes in here whose sports just started, you're hustling to do well in finishing the school year well academically and engaging in your sport well athletically. Some of you are driven at home to be perfect, to be producing. And at the end of the day, you're exhausted. Some of you are are in here tonight exhausted because you are trying so hard. You are fighting so hard to live a, quote, righteous life. And you simply need to receive the finished work of Jesus in your life. Some of you are emotionally exhausted in here, physically exhausted in here, 
mentally exhausted in here. And in Matthew 11, Jesus gives us some really, really comforting words. He says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Keep your eyes closed. Brothers and sisters, my invitation to you tonight is not to taking a day off. It's to come to the person of Jesus Christ and receive rest. Receive rest. And so as I was praying for this service, and I'm right here with you, I just got a sense that tonight is a night where some of us can simply take off the burden physically, spiritually, or emotionally and lay it down at the foot of the cross. Just lay it down, whatever you're carrying. And enter into the rest that is Jesus Christ. Let go of the steering wheel. Let go of the reins. Let go of control. And trust that God's got it. Remember, he's enough. He's enough. He's enough. Can we bring down the lights a little bit? Would that be possible? I just want to give you a moment. We're going to just take a second and breathe. A little bit darker, a little bit darker. I just want you to have a moment with the Lord. Some of you might need to be just physically saying, Lord, I give you this. I trust you with this. I'm going to stop worrying about it. I'm going to stop seeing myself as the ultimate need for my life. I'm going to turn and look to you. Jesus, we need you. Oh, we need your rest. We need you to fill us. I pray that we would be a people who get up in our Father's lap and undividedly delights in you. Show us what it means to be men and women who Sabbath, who rest.
who yes, take a day and make it holy and give it to you, but who day by day enter into the rest that is Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you have made a way for us in your son. You are not making for yourself a weary people. You are making for yourself arrested people. And Father, I pray you would grant rest in this room tonight. I just get a sense from the Lord. Keep your heads bowed, please. I get a sense from the Lord that there's some of you in here who are wrestling with sleep. You're not sleeping because you're riddled with anxiety. You're fearful. You can't shut your mind off. I want to ask you to take a, a step of faith here. Keep the heads bowed. If that's you, if you're wrestling with sleep in here, that's something you're dealing with. Could you raise your hand? Okay, I see you. I see you. Jesus, I lift up my brothers and my sisters. Lord, and we say and we speak tonight that you are the peace that passes all understanding. You are our divine rest. So I lift up my brothers and my sisters who are wrestling at night, either with anxiety, morbid thinking, depression, or hurried thoughts. And I pray in the name of Jesus right now, you would grant peace over their minds. I pray in the name of Jesus, divine rest over their bodies. I pray tonight would be the best night of sleep that they have received in a long time. Because you are a God who is enough. You're enough. You got it. You hold it. Lord, I pray that you would increase their trust in you tonight. Increase their trust in you tonight. Holy Spirit, come. We thank you. Brothers and sisters, can you stand with me? Callie, can we put up the prayer of confession? Do we have that? I just want to end tonight saying this together. We all in here are guilty of violating the reality of the Sabbath. And yet the invitation of the gospel is for us to day by day come back to the person of Jesus Christ. The one who makes us new. The one who holds us and who keeps us. And so just as a way of kind of ending this night, giving it back to the Lord trusting him. I want to say this prayer together. So can you read it with me? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, 
word and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.